quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. Byheart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. Byheart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. I came to parenting with everything I learned in childhood. Yelling, punishing, controlling, and shaming. After trying almost every method, I found connected parenting and was totally shocked when empathy, listening, doing away with rewards and consequences, and being a safe place actually worked. It moved the behaviors of my children and it felt good, especially with my very strong-willed and highly sensitive oldest daughter. This podcast was born out of the idea of sharing the message and helping parents find more peace in a modern world. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. So glad you're here. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle and I'm back and I have a lovely guest, Kate Anthony, who is a new published author with an incredible book called The D Word. And Kate, can you introduce yourself? I sure can. My name is Kate Anthony. Uh, I am the host of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, which Michelle has been on a couple of times. And I am a, I'm certified in lots of things. I, the list is a little... <laughs> It's, it's long. No, um, I'm certified as a as a coach. I'm certified as a relationship systems coach. I am certified as a um, co-parenting specialist, domestic violence victims advocate, and a high conflict divorce coach. And as you said, I am now an author of Yay, a, a book called The D Word, Making the Ultimate Decision About Your Marriage. I love it. I love this. I didn't know that you were a co-parent coach. Yeah, I'm a co-parenting specialist. I don't work with co-parents. Uh-huh. Um, I don't work with couples. I really just work with women, but it's it's one of those things that I felt that I needed um, education in so that, um, and really it's co-parenting, you know, through divorce, obviously is the, yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, so let's get into it. We want to talk about this lovely book. Um, I, I thought it was, if you're contemplating divorce, this is where you want to go. You want to get this mm. book. So, um, let's get into it. I have a few questions for you. So what is the first thing? So I'm divorced and Kate's divorced. So we both have experience in this world and we both got divorced with kids. So just for everyone to know out there, like we're, we're coming with our own experience here. Um, but what is the thing that people should know or what should they look at when they're first trying to decide? And I like how you put it. Should I stay or should I go? Yeah. Normally we get so stuck in looking at the other person and, you know, putting a magnifying glass on them and what they're doing and all of these things. And the first thing we need to do is put that away for a minute. Like we can come back to it totally fine, but we have to first 
uh, look at ourselves and not just what we're doing in the relationship, right? I'm not even talking about that. I'm really talking about if you've been in an unhealthy or unhappy relationship for any amount of time, you, we tend to have lost touch with our self, capital S self. Mm-hmm. Um, we have spent probably a really long time with our focus on the other person, trying to get them to change, trying to get them to be nicer, trying to get them to parent the way we want them to, like all of the things, right? And it's really useful because in that process, we lose touch with ourselves. And so it's really useful in that, uh, for in this process for us to just sort of stop and turn the focus back on ourselves, like reconnect with that part of ourselves that we've lost. Um, and there are cultural reasons for this. There are motherhood reasons for this. There are unhealthy, unhappy marriage reasons for this. Like there's just all the reasons, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we have to learn, like, how are you going to make a decision when you don't even know who's making the decision? Yeah. Or where that decision's coming from. Like you said, right. is it coming from my unhappy marriage or is it really coming from me? Right. And like, I can't make a decision if I don't know who I am. Yeah. Right. I can't say, well, our values don't align if I don't know what my values are. Yeah. I can't say he violates all my boundaries if I don't actually know how to set a boundary. Right. Right. So there's a lot of stuff that we have to do first. And listen, I'm not saying that like anything that you're feeling about your partner is invalid, but I would say that if you were in a relationship that is, really unhealthy, unhappy, perhaps like even abusive, if you had a super, super solid sense of self, you wouldn't be agonizing about this, right? This would be like, oh, this doesn't align for me. This is not healthy. And I'm not saying it's an easy decision. It's not like, like if you had a sense of self, you'd be out of here. Like, I hate that. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that that has to be the focus first. It really does. Yeah. I do think, though, there's this other piece, especially us parents with kids, moms with kids, where we say, you know, I'm going to stay for the kids. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to self-sacrifice because I want to keep the family unit together. I thought it myself. I've heard lots of people I know say it. Um, I have a friend recently who just said it, like, there's no way I'm breaking up my family. I'm not just, I'm just not doing it. And um, I think there's, there's a sentiment out there that kids from divorced families somehow don't do well or, you know, end up, yeah, yeah, who they they end up having a hard time and they can't form good relationships. Or there's a lot of, there's a lot of misnomers out there. Can you tell us what's, give us the real lowdown, please? Yeah. So there's a lot in that. First of all, a lot of the quote research that was done in the early 2000s that made us believe that children from, quote, broken homes, term you and I both hate, I'm sure, Yeah, <laughs> right? There's nothing broken about our home, no. um, uh, that they, you know, grew up to be drug addicts and alcoholics and they fail out of school. You know, they have unhealthy relationships and blah, 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 blah. First of all, all of that research was debunked. It wasn't research at all. There was a book that was written by a woman named Judith Wallerstein, and I think it was 2000. And her research was not research. It was not peer reviewed. It was not from a wide swath of the population. It was from like a certain 
little subset of one area in Marin County, <laughs> California, like just like a not, and, and they were almost all of them was had domestic violence. Like it, right. Listen, at the end of the day, what screws up kids is toxicity. Yeah. Whether that is in your divorce or in your marriage. So when we think that, you know, we have to stay together for our kids and the, the incubator that we are keeping them in is toxic, gonna, that, that will have damage, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, we want to ask ourselves, what is the relationship blueprint that I want my children to have? And if you are in a relationship that is not the blueprint that you want for your children, then staying for them will have, first of all, the exact opposite effect of what you want. And it's not good for them. It's just not in their best interest. I I see this a lot too. Like there's not outward conflict, but like the parents are sleeping in separate rooms. they're, They're basically living separate lives in the same house, right? They're taking one kid out. The other one's taking the other kid out. They, you watch a movie with them. I'll take them mm-hmm. to the birthday party. Yeah. They're just like, there's no tag sense team. of tag, tag team parenting, <laughs> right? And there's no sense of, um, there's no sense of love. There's no, there's no relationship that's being modeled to them. And so I think there's this sense out there like, well, that's okay because we're not yelling and screaming at each other and there's no domestic abuse. But what's the downside to that? Well, again, like, what do you want for your kids, right? Like. This is, do you want your kids to grow up and have that relationship where you're just sort of like satelliting each other and tag team parenting and there's no actual family, right? It's like, I don't want to break up my family. What, what family? family? Yeah. What, what, what is what family? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What family? And, and, and really like, is that the family that you want your children to create and choose? Because that's what they will choose. What, what are you modeling when you're like, you know, oh no, we're such, you know, we're a family and mom and dad love each other. It's like, well, okay. So, so this is now their blueprint for love. Mm-hmm. No, mommy and daddy love each other. Mommy and daddy never talk to each other. They don't sleep together. They don't do anything together, but we love each other. Yeah. So now your children think that that's love. And you can feel it. I, I know people think like adults feel like, oh, the kids don't know, but they can feel it. If there's no interaction be- or there's very little interaction between the adults, that's noticed. And they can compare it to other people that they see have relationships. So yes. I feel like, you know, you don't have to get divorced, but there's something that needs to be worked on if you, if you don't get divorced. Like that's not a, we don't want to, you know, model that. That's right. That's right. And kids are so intuitive. Yeah. They're far more intuitive than we are. Yeah. You know, they're looking to us all the time for, you know, to teach them what life is. Yes. And they, you know, they depend on us for survival. So they're constantly checking in emotionally. Are you safe? Am I okay? Is this relationship safe? Is this house safe? Am I, am I able to get what I need here or not? And Let's change gears a little bit. What about the litigation piece? That was interesting to me because we didn't litigate in in my marriage um, and my divorce. I mean, and we didn't even we did it ourselves. We never even got a mediator or anything. But I hear these horror stories. Horror stories. I mean, and I've had clients going through divorce, and I'm like, holy moly, this is a major business happening here. This is not for the betterment of society and life and, and relationships and connection. 
there's something crooked happening in my mind. It's awful. Oh, there right? is. It, uh, yes, tell 100%. Me. Please tell me. Oh God, there's so much. I mean, look, you know, litigators, their job is to litigate. Yeah. You know, like that's their job. If you are getting divorced and you li- know that you literally cannot mediate with this person, it's not safe and all of those things, like you need an attorney, protect yourself. But make sure you have an attorney that is asking you what you want. Mm-hmm. When you interview the attorney, you know, get a sense of them. If you have the same feelings for your attorney that you do about your ex, no, right? Very often I see this happen with women a lot is that they choose an attorney that they end up realizing is abusing them the way that their ex-spouse was. What? So, oh yeah. I mean, not like, you know, but just not answering their calls, being neglectful, talking down to them, being condescending, being rude, dismissing their feelings, like all of this, like your attorney works for you. You know, I have a friend going through this right now, right? Their attorneys, like her ex-husband, soon-to-be ex-husband, like their whole, everything is being held up because his attorney is not responding to her attorney on their proposal. They proposed a parenting plan and all of the things. And then now he keeps yelling at her about how she's stalling the whole process. And she's like, dude, your attorney, we're waiting on your attorney. And then the the tension is growing and growing. They're still in the house together. It's getting really, really bad. And it doesn't have to happen. No. Right. Because he's mad at her and she's like, but, but we're waiting for your attorney. I don't know what her attorney, what his attorney is saying to him. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's insanity. So yeah. you have to remember that if you quote lawyer up, the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to be preparing for trial and they, it immediately becomes adversarial. If you want to do this in a peaceful way, if you want to do this as collaboratively and amicably as possible, the first thing you need to do is cool your jets. You're making the biggest legal and financial decisions of your entire life in the middle of the biggest emotional upheaval of your entire life. Yeah. You know, look, the 69% of divorces are initiated by women. Interesting. And usually, like, we've been agonizing over this for years, which is why I wrote this book. And we've been asking ourselves these questions. And then we get done. And when we're done, we're done. Yeah, you hit the wall. We hit the wall. And then we're like, all right, fine, let's get it done. Right. right? But our partner isn't there, right? They're they're blindsided. Listen, no matter how many times you've had this conversation with them, No matter how many times you've told them that if they don't do X, Y, and Z, you're out. And then you're finally hit that wall and you're out. They will be blindsided. This will be news to them because they never thought you would leave. And that's what my ex said to me. He was like, I'm so sorry. I just never thought you'd leave. Same. I was (laughs) like, like, I was telling you for four years. You didn't listen. Telling you I was going to leave. Right. Exactly. (gasps) Well, but, but he did listen because you didn't leave. Right. So he actually never thought you'd leave because <laughs> yeah. he, he never did. Right. right? So, well, I guess you know, you're not meant to listen until you got to listen. That's right. And so he and so so you have to give the other person time to catch up. Yeah. So just slow down. Yeah. You don't have to do We didn't do our, you know, property settlement and all that stuff until three years later. And I felt like that was better for us because we did. We could chill for a minute. That's right. And listen, not everyone can do that, right? It's like, you know, my ex and I didn't, you know, I was able, I was able to move out. I, we were able to just like share a bank account for a while. Like we were able to do all those things. But if you're not, 
you do have to make like my my poor friend who is stuck in her house with this man who's practically torturing her you know like she's got to get out yeah so anyway so like some of us have that option many of us don't and and that's fine but you still want to give it a little bit of a cooling off period because if the first thing you do is in your rage and your anger your vitriol your vengeance you hire an attorney you're going to hire an attorney that's going to be a shark and that's going to be like all right let's go get him yeah and then you it's uh, suddenly it's out of your control and you might be like oh but i wanted to mediate well you've already hired a litigator so mediation is off the table when you mediate you want to have a consulting attorney you must have a consulting attorney mediators do not give legal advice they can give legal information but they cannot give legal advice they're not advocate they're not saying like well if i were you i would do this like no that's not their job so they're there as a neutral third party to help you to come to consensus if you don't even know what the law in your state says would you know is something that you need or or that you should get you don't know what you're mediating towards so you want to have a consulting attorney to say well this is what the law says you should be asked this is what you're entitled to right so this is where you're starting and then you then they need to go over the paperwork at the end to just make sure that you're not screwing yourself yeah and so you think mediation's the way to go if you can if you have the any sort of relationship with your soon to be at absolutely absolutely yeah absolutely do you have anything that you would have done differently? Me, myself? Yeah, just personally. Oof. Yes. Uh, I mean, not your whole life, just your divorce. Yeah. <laughs> like, where do you want to begin, Michelle? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, in my divorce, yes. Um, there's one thing. There's only one thing. Okay. Um, That's good. That's good. It was kind of a big one, though. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. Might have been like a couple hundred thousand dollars worth. But oh, shoot. <laughs> So I got divorced. I got separated in 2009 and the financial collapse had just occurred and we had never had anything like this happen before. So our house was $250,000 underwater <sighs> at the time of the separation. So they were like, well, for the pleasure of leaving your home, Kate, you're going to have to give your husband $125,000, right? Because you split assets and debts. And so it was it, it was a liability. The house was a liability. Shoot. Well, my husband knew well enough to be like, it's going to it's going to bounce back. Like, yeah. I'm not he was like, I'm not taking $125,000 for this thing that I'm keeping that will become an asset again. Yeah. Thank God. He, he was said like, that. how about we just take it off the top? We take the house off the top. I'm keeping the house basically free and clear assets and liabilities. Mm. Well, if that were to happen now, yes, <laughs> because what happened was right. I, he, he lived in the house for a number of years and it came right back <laughs> and then some, right. So then it became, by the time he was willing, ready to sell the house, he made uh like a $300,000 profit off of what we had originally paid. Now, he'd also, you know, when the sewer line backed up, right. he had to spend $20,000 on a new sewer line. He put a new roof on, like all of the things, right? He, I mean, he maintained the house. He paid the mortgage for a number of years. But at the end of the day, like we bought it for, you know, X number. And you made a it, profit on it. He did. Rather. He made, he made a, quite a substantial profit on it. 
And I didn't get any of it. So when I think now I talked to an attorney uh, friend of mine and she was like, now that we've been through that cycle, we would do it differently. If a house was underwater now, we would say like, you keep the house, but ultimately, you know, if you sell it, we'd share the, you know, share the equity later down the line. So anyway, that's the one thing I do regret. But otherwise, I think we did a great job. You know, um, we really did. We worked together to do it. And, and, and people say like, how did you do it? And I got to say, I lucked out. Yeah, me too. I really did. I did too. I lucked, I lucked out. out. I, d- I, I divorced did. somebody who was a terrible husband, terrible, abusive husband, but he was really committed to being an amazing father and like the best divorce dude out there. Yeah. You know, and that's his own narcissism, right? He wanted to look really good, but like literally luck of the draw. Yeah. Time for a short break to acknowledge our sponsors. Because of them, you're able to enjoy this podcast without paying a dime. ADHD affects so many of our families and finding the right care can be a challenge. With Done, you can get the care you need 24-7. At donefirst.com, you have an expert team who can help you get personalized treatment for you and your sweet kids. ADHD doesn't have to jeopardize the connection you share with your family. Take a free one-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, one-click refills, insurance coverage, and 24-7 care team support with Done for just $79 a month and pharmacy co-pays as low as $0. Visit get.donefirst.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Done. Turn ADHD into your strength. You know what I don't miss at all? The vicious week before my period. I always used to feel like I was walking in quicksand and craving the most unhealthy of foods. My sleep was always off and my moods were unpredictable. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise. When it comes to quality and it shows. And the biggest benefit, feeling like myself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 14,000 reviews of Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off the entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code PEACE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com. And use the code PEACE for 15% off today. Hey, let's get back to the show. I read in your book too, you said women are unhappy. Mm, in their marriage. Yeah. yeah. Yes, they are. Tell me women about- are unhappy in marriage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? I, and I, surprise. This is going to be a surprise. With, yeah. No, I was like, ding, ding, ding. This is resonating with me. This is why I will never get married again. Right. I'm like, uh, right. Right. what, but what, tell me, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did every woman listen to this podcast be like, yeah. Totally. I mean, I I don't think, and men, and men are not unhappy in marriage, supposedly. Marriage works very well for men. Well, why wouldn't it? (gasps) Well, exactly. And if the men who are listening are like, I don't understand. What are you talking about? Let's break it down. I want a wife. Um, Right? I want a wife. Yes. There was a period of time where I was trying to figure out, like, I, I was so overwhelmed running my business, being, you know, a single 
person running a household with a kid and all the things. And I was like, I'm exhausted. I was like, okay, I need more help. I need more help. And I was like doing an audit of my business. Like, where do I need help? And then I was like, no, I need a wife. I need a wife. I need, yeah. so- I need a wife. I need someone cooking and cleaning. I don't really? need help in my business. I need help in my house. We lived with my dad for a little while when we, when I first got divorced and, um, and, and like a couple weeks into it, he was like, I don't understand. How did I become your wife? And I was like, uh-huh. I don't know, but this is amazing. This <laughs> is great, dad. Yes. This is wonderful. He's like, I'm <laughs> doing all the chores. I was like, yes, yes, it's great. So yeah, listen, marriage benefits men on the backs of women's labor. Um, you know, and and I think it's it's listen, I'm not saying that men are out there like siphoning our labor no. in, you know, intentionally, although many of them are. Um, it's not intentional, but this is the way that our this is the the you know the structure. This is the cultural, the societal, like this is what patriarchy is. Right. Um, but I do and, think that there's been these gender roles, obviously, right? Where it's like Men cannot have their feelings. They have to be stoic. They're meant to take care of everybody financially and, you know, like problem solve and make sure things are happening. And women are to make sure that the house is taken care of, the kids are taken care of, all the chores are done, all the, and we've gotten so, we're still so cemented in those old yeah. roles for both of us that, yeah, yeah right. marriage is hard for us, but it's, it's good for men because men aren't given a soft place in the world. And the only soft place they have is in their marriage. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, listen, it's terrible for men. Like, so I think we're, we're talking about, I talk about these as like separate issues, right? Like toxic masculinity, which does not mean that men are toxic. It means that they don't have this soft place to land culturally. They don't have the friendships that we have. Their men are dying at earlier ages than women because of stress related, because they don't, they're not expected to express the, the stuff that's going on inside and it festers inside them and it toxifies inside them. And like they, then they like pick up guns and blow up schools, like essentially. Right. So this is a terrible thing inside of a marriage. What happens is that, you know, we started, you know, the, 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 the 40 hour work week was designed by men to support you know, when, when men could go to work and had everything in the house taken care of by their, by their spouses, right? So they could spend 40 hours a week at their offices and then come home and be handed a scotch and their slippers and the newspaper while we flitted around and did all of the domestic labor because that was our full-time job. Now, what, you know, first, never mind the fact that like that job lasts a hell of a lot more than 48, 40 hours a week. That's mm-hmm. a 24-7 job. But also when we got into the workforce, it didn't stop, yeah. right? And so now we're both working 40 hours and then we have to come home and we have to continue to be responsible for all of the stuff, right? And so eventually, you know, in the like 90s or something, 80s, 90s, when we got like really exhausted by this and, and you know, in the 60s to a degree, we were like, okay, now we're done. Well, in the 60s, we were like, hey, we want to go to work. And yeah. then in the 70s Just and 80s, we're like, us. I'm a working woman, right? Well, yeah, and then in that, the 90s, no. we were like, well, shit, I'm tired. What's going on here? Why am I so exhausted? Well, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so we then, you know, we then we start to talk to have these conversations. And men, and you know, some men are like, oh, totally. You're right. This is imbalanced. I will get on board. 
And there are a lot of men who are like, I do 50%. Like, I get it. I love my wife. I'm a feminist. I support her. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna be the, the support in the family of the domestic labor. And they're like, I do 50%. And then you ask their wives and they're like, uh, not, not exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. But it's still probably like 80-20. <laughs> well, you know? I think there's this whole idea, just the emails alone from the school. Like, that's where I always, always like, you please get on the emails with me. Like, I don't even know how many emails are coming in. I've got two schools, a dance school, a theater school, and yeah, all this crap that's coming right. in. And just the, the and it's only going of, to you. Yeah. And the weight of just organizing that in my mind and like the, uh-huh. the family calendar and all that stuff. Right. And there's that, no reason that that's your job. Like, why is that your job? I don't know. It's why still, is that it still the is and I'm mom's divorced. Job. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No. I hate that job. So it's not your job. It's not your job. Um, that is a shared job. And, you know, those are the conversations we need to have also with the schools. So love the story of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg when she was not yet on the Supreme Court. She was arguing before the Supreme Court and she was an incredibly esteemed attorney. And she was uh, and her son's school. She had a kid who sounds a lot like mine, very hyperactive, would get into trouble a lot. And they would call her every time. And finally, famously, she said to the school, this child has two parents. Yeah. Please alternate calls. Yes. And do you know that they stopped calling? Altogether? Realized it was it went down significantly. It, it diminished significantly because when they realized they had to interrupt a man's work, Shut up. they were a lot more hesitant to, to call. Uh-uh. I've never heard this story. No, I love this story. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She, she told the story. It's in my book. And she, tells, she told the story in a commencement address. I love it. I mean, it's amazing, right? And so this is what we have to do. We have to say, no, you have to alternate calls. You cannot just call me every time the child is sick. Right? I am not the de facto you know, yeah. parent, right? And so if I, but if they do, right? And if I'm the parent and I'm a working, I'm a working mother, and my work is always being interrupted. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go. Right. There's this, when the pandemic happened there, I heard this story all the time where working moms said that their husbands would just go in the bedroom and close the door and be like, I have meetings all day. And the moms were like, okay, me too. Yeah. Like, but the kids are here and I've got to do zoom. So zoom school is on me. There's yeah. just this expectation that his work is more important than her work. Right? It's so interesting. And we we left the workforce in droves during the pandemic. And we were already, you know, the gender wage gap was already enormous. And it just, you know, we and then like there was something like five million of us had to like drop out of the workforce because we had kids at home and our partners were like, Oh well, see you later. <laughs> you know, thank God for my dad. <laughs> thank goodness for my dad who was over being my wife. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't have that. I mean, it was I a know. nightmare. I was so lucky. I had this retired guy who would just come over and cook food and make sure people were opening up their Zoom links, <laughs> at least, at the right. very least. Right. But now, you know, like Esme got sick the other day. She got COVID again. Oh, and no. I know. And I had like a schedule that was insane. It was like a nine o'clock and the 10 o'clock and the 1130. And, I, and she was like, I have to go to the doctor. I was like, you have to call your dad. I am sorry, honey. Like I am, I cannot take you to the doctor. I can't. And she was like, what? And I was like, 
your dad is 50% biologically your parent and uh-huh. he can very well take you to the doctor. But the two of them thought it was like sacrilege that I was asking them to go to the doctor. Right. So this is what's amazing, right? Is that like you have a Gen X daughter and her mindset, like this is so ingrained, no, she, right? Yeah. This is so ingrained in our culture that a Gen X kid who are like, you know, rah, rah, burn it down. Like all, you know, they are, they're so progressive. Even she was like, but it's your job, mom. Yeah, no, because I've, because I, but it's my fault, right? Because you've always done I've it. taken mm-hmm. her to every doctor's appointment. I've made every doctor's appointment. And now, but now too, at the, in the same, you know, this is a side note to parenting. Now I'm like, you're 17, make your own appointment. You're 17, ask for the get the prescription. You're 17. Like, no, you go to Rite Aid and pick your prescription up down the street. You have a car. Like, right. come on, come on. That's y'all. Right. That's y'all right. can do it and your dad can do it. And so, you know, setting those boundaries too. Now I'm like, no, I'm done. That's Everybody. right. That's yeah. right. I'm on strike. I'm <laughs> listen, right. I'm, I'm, empower- I'm empowering my children to do it for themselves because they can't go out there in the real world and not know how to pick up a prescription. Sorry, guys, you have to learn that and how to call the doctor and how to make eggs and like, come on. That's why women are so unhappy in their marriages. And, it, and it's an important question to ask because it's like, is it, is it your marriage or is it just the way that marriage, marriage. is? Or right? and can you change that? Can and you can say, you change like, it? Hey, you I need a, a division of labor here. I, I need right. it. I need you to take, you're taking Esme's emails. I'm taking Pia's emails. You're taking this. I'm taking that. Like, um, but you know, you know, I'll just say my own marriage, my ex was like, well, my job is too important. Right. I'm an right. Emmy award winning producer. I can't do that. I can't possibly. I, I'm on vacation for two weeks. I'm in, I'm in Mississippi for two weeks. I was like, you know, mm-hmm. all right. Okay. I see you. I see, I see you, but it wears on you, right? Like you're not as thought of as important and you're not it. That's right. And look, if you are not, if you're a stay at home parent, like I think that that expectation is reasonable. I was a stay at home parent, but I still didn't think that was reasonable because I was like, don't you want to be involved in the kid's life? Even if you are in Mississippi? Sure. Sure. I mean, I think there's a balance to that. Right. But as soon as we get divorced, by the way, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. That changes. That does change. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Any last things, Kate, that you want anyone to know about your book or about divorce or about anything? Oh, I mean, so many things, but I know. um, Okay. Sorry. That was too big of a question. Give me one. Yeah. One thing. Um, Well, you know what? I think the biggest thing is that um, I want to give women permission that you get to choose. You get to decide if this marriage works for you or not. And, you know, this isn't about your kids. This isn't about society. This isn't about judgment or blah, 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 any of that stuff. This is about you because this is your life and you get one shot. Yeah. And so you do get to choose. And I want you to choose wisely. And I want you to choose with as much information and you know, self-exploration as possible. Um, but you do get to choose. Yeah, you, you do. Know? My thing is that by the end of this book, you will have all of the information that you need in order to choose. To make the you decision, be, right. To make the decision. You may not be ready to make the decision and that's okay. 
but you'll have all the information that you need, but you are allowed to choose. Great. I like that. That's so good. I like that. And I like the, I like how the book is set up. I like what you said in the introduction. Like, I don't know, you had some sort of like, you fill in the blank, you know, said something like, you know, read this with an open mind, be reflective, like really take a moment to have this all sink in for you while you're reading the book. And I think that's so important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where can we get your lovely book? Anywhere. So it comes out December 26th and it'll be available absolutely everywhere. Um, There's a page on my website, uh, kateanthony.com slash D word, where I have ideas and suggestions of how you can buy the book on the DL. (laughs) This is not something that you necessarily want to have in your shared Amazon order history. Um, if you are still married and you're trying oh, to make this decision, right. you kind of want to probably keep it a secret, right? So, <laughs> right. Sorry. I didn't um, even think of that. <laughs> yeah. It's a big one. Um, so there are idea, there are options on there for how to buy it, um, in ways that you can get it without alerting, uh, your spouse to the fact that you're thinking about this. And cause for some but people, it, is it may not Amazon. be safe. Oh, it is hundred percent on Amazon. It's, it's in all the places. It's in all the places. I just also want to make sure that everybody is has options and is safe. They can have some anonymity here. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay, good. Yeah. It's always so lovely to talk to you. Thank you, you so much Michelle. for keeping it so real. I really appreciate it. And I hope you're super, super successful with your lovely book. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's always so fun to talk to you. You too. I'll talk soon. Thanks for joining us on the Peace and Parenting Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.